Welcome to CT Church. This message was recorded during our Sunday service. We hope you enjoy this presentation. This morning, I, uh, you know, we recently came out of a, I did a series on prayer, and uh, this was some information that uh, I would have liked to, I didn't put it in there, but I thought, you know, I've got the kind of a sermonette uh, time today. I, this would be a great time to do it. And uh, one of the main truths we talked about was the fact that God is always faithful to answer our prayers. Do you believe that? He either says yes, he either says no, or he says wait. It's the no and the wait that most of us usually have trouble with. We always want to hear yes, right? But he is so faithful, he is so faithful that sometimes God says yes to some of our petitions if we bug him long enough just to teach us a lesson. And I've got scriptural evidence of this this morning. And a lot of times, uh, that lesson uh, that we need is that we need, always need to be in the will of God when we're asking for Him for His hand to move in our life. We need to make sure we're in His will. Sometimes in life, when we're not careful to remain in His will, and we decide we're going to start making our own calls. It's very easy for our own selfish desires to kind of creep in, even to our prayer life. And we become guilty of asking God for things that are really not in our best interest. Has anyone ever been there? Now, I think that usually when we send these petitions up before God, He, in His mercy, almost always says no, but sometimes we don't settle for no. And we just keep at it. And we keep at it to the point where we have stepped out of his will. God is genuinely concerned for our welfare. He always knows what's best for us, a lot better than we do ourselves. But sometimes we just get so persistent in our, in our, in our, in our petitions to God to the point where we have stepped out of his will. If we badger God long enough, sometimes he will say yes just to teach us a lesson. And these little episodes in our life are what we commonly refer to as lessons learned the hard way. Everybody chimed in together. How many of you have had some of those lessons you had to learn the hard way? Almost, almost without exception, in our lives, when we have learned a lesson the hard way, it means we stepped out of what God really wanted for our life and we started make, calling our own shots. True? That's usually a lesson learned the hard way. But there's times in our life we want things so bad. Have you ever wanted something so bad? You wanted it for so long, and then you finally got it, and not long after having received it, you kind of wish you didn't have it. I remember, this isn't very spiritual, I remember as like a sophomore in high school, there was this kid who was a sophomore, and he had to shave already. And I thought, oh man, that is so cool. I want to have to shave. Then I know I'm a real man. You know, I, I want to be able to shave. And now, you know, day before yesterday as I was shaving and I kind of nicked my Adam's apple, it just bleeds and bleeds. I'm thinking, oh, I wish I never had to shave. I hate shaving. How many of you guys wish you didn't have to shave? It's a pain in the neck, right? Literally. 
Now, I wanted it. But on a more spiritual realm, a lot of us, in our immaturity, we have asked for things in our life that we're probably glad we didn't get. You know, I told you when I was a kid, and I'd get a good walloping either from my mom. She looks so sweet. Let me tell you, that woman's scary sometimes. <laughs> or my dad. I'd get a big old spanking always for something I deserved. I will throw that in. But in the midst of that spanking, I remember once in a while thinking, well, I, I wish I'd just fall over dead, boy. They'd be really feel sorry for spanking me. Well, I'm kind of glad that one didn't work out. Most days, I'm glad. But sometimes we do things similar to that as adults. When we keep asking God over and over for something that is really not in our best interest. He knows it. Apparently, we just don't know it. And there's a, a portion of Scripture, uh, 1 Samuel 8, 4 through 21. And what's going on here is the God had set up judges over the children of Israel to rule over the, the kingdom of Israel. There was no king because God wanted the children of Israel to look to him as their king, but he had these judges. But the people of Israel became discontent with that. They wanted a king like everybody else. And so here's where we pick up uh, reading. It says, So all the elders of Israel gathered, around, uh, gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. They said to him, You're, You are old and your sons do not follow your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us, such as all the other nations have. But when they said, give us a king to lead us, this displeased Samuel. So he prayed to the Lord, and the Lord told him, listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king, as they have done from the day I brought them up out of Egypt until this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so are they doing to you. Now listen to them, but warn them solemnly, let them know what the king who will reign over them will claim as his rights. Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who were asking for a king. He said, this is what the king who will reign over you will claim as his rights. He will take your sons and make them serve with his chariots and horses, and they will run in front of his chariots. Some he will assign to be commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties and others to plow his ground and to reap his harvest and still others to make weapons of war and equip, equipment for his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive groves and give them to his attendants. He will take a tenth of your grain and of your vintage and give it to his officials and attendants. Your male and female servants and the best of your cattle and donkeys he will take for his own use. He will take a tenth of your flocks and you yourselves will become his slaves. Now listen to this. When that day comes, you will cry out for relief from the king you have chosen, but the Lord will not answer you in that day. But the people refused to listen to Samuel. No, they said, we want a king over us. Then we will be like all the other nations, with a king to lead us and to go out before us and fight our battles. When Samuel heard all that the people said, he repeated it before the Lord. Now there's a lot we can learn from this story of Samuel, where God 
ultimately finally gave the people what they were asking for. I've often said, and you've probably heard me say, the, one of the dumbest prayers you can ever pray is pray, Lord, you, give me what I got coming. That's a dumb prayer. Don't ever pray, Lord, just give me what I've got coming. Because he might just do it, right? I mean, we learn that sometimes we can ask God for wrong things. And sometimes he'll give them to us if we insist on stepping out of his will. So this morning, I want to share a few different, five different scenarios that sometimes cause us to ask God for the wrong things. The first one is this. We are very apt to ask God for the wrong things when we don't realize how blessed we are right now. It's funny how sometimes in life, the more stuff we have, the higher the level of our discontent. Because in America, we all have a lot of stuff, right? But we never seem to have quite enough stuff. You know why? Because there's always people out there that have a lot more stuff than we do. The grass is always greener on the other side, right? Or the old adage, and we talked about this in that, that prayer series, you know, keeping up with the Joneses. Man, got to keep up with the Joneses. Keeping up with the Joneses is a real bad idea. Because what the Joneses never tell you is that they are so deep in debt, they're this far from bankruptcy themselves. Don't worry about keeping up with them. It's a bad idea. But God continually had his hand of favor upon Israel while the judges that he had put in place were allowed to rule. They just didn't realize it. They Sometimes when we're right in the middle of a blessing, we don't see it because we're surrounded by it. We need to step back and see all that God is doing in our life and realize the blessing that he is in our life. Amen? So they decided, though, that they knew what was best. Any of us ever been guilty of that? We know what God is saying. We know what his word is saying. But somehow we have decided in our infinite wisdom that we know what's really best. And when we act on it, we always end up in a giant mess. Secondly, we are very apt to ask God for the wrong things when we fail to recognize how far God has already brought us how faithful he has been to us already. We don't need to try to work these big uh, issues out in our life. Hopefully, we have that level of trust and faith because what we have witnessed him do in our life already. Down through the years, we, we see how faithful he's been. But sometimes we get upset because God isn't doing something right now that we're asking him to do. You been there before? I mean, when we ask God to do something, we want something to happen when? Now. Or we wouldn't be asking. We want it to happen right now. We don't often think, though, about some of the many things he has done for us in the past, that he's always been faithful to us. You know, I thought of an illustration, professional sports management or coaching. Professional sports is a vicious business for a coach or a manager. I mean, a team can bring, a losing team can bring in a new coach, and boy, he turns the team around, he can take them to the championship game. But the very next year, if they have a losing season, that owner is very apt to just fire him, and he's out looking for a job. But here's the part I find so funny. 
Who's that owner going to hire now to be the new coach or the new manager? Some guy who just got fired by somebody else. Have you noticed that? It's like they're just all making the circuit, you know. I find that amusing. Sometimes, though, we're kind of like those professional sports owners, and we don't even think about all the good that has been done for us. We're living in the moment now. What have you done for me lately kind of attitude. And sometimes we're like that with God. Boy, if we don't see some miraculous thing happen every day, you know, we're just not satisfied. We just know that he's not doing what I'm asking him to do right now, and I don't like that. So while under the rule of the judges, God had time and time again had delivered Israel from their enemy, but they always wanted more. They wanted more stuff, right? Thirdly, we are apt to ask God for the wrong things when we keep our eye on what others have more than we do on God. This kind of ties into point number two. Sometimes we ask God for things just because everybody else has them. Hello? It happens. You know, sometimes we, no one ever says this out loud, but I'm telling you, it's a thought process that goes through our heads sometimes. Well, if God blessed them with that, surely he's going to bless me because, to be quite frank, I'm a lot more godly than he is anyway. None of you would ever say that, would you? But I'll bet you've thought it before. I won't ask for a show of hands because you'd lie anyway, and then you'd have to ask forgiveness for that, and it just... I have noticed something amusing not, uh, down through the years working in church ministry. I'm not saying it's right, wrong, or indifferent. I'm not pointing fingers. I'm just saying it's something that has amused me. Uh, if a couple of, just a couple people in a, in a church congregation show up in, in a new car, it starts a little chain reaction often. And the next thing you know, there's like five or six, seven people that got new cars. And I'm not pointing fingers because I have been a part of that scenario in the past. Years ago, I'm talking years ago, Janet and I, we were in our late 20s. We had just gotten to Faith Assembly on the northwest side of town with Steve and Diane sitting right there. And uh, we, Brent and Stacy, were just little kids, little big kids. And we had, I'm a pretty big guy, we had this little Mazda 626, small little car. But right around that time is when minivans came out. I mean... Every parent we knew had a minivan, and it was just seemed the thing to do. Chrysler couldn't make these minivans fast enough. They were just flying off the showroom floors. Everybody with kids had these minivans. And so we decided, you know what we need? Minivan. We need one. And so there was a guy in our church. He was a sales manager at a car dealership, and, and I went to his car dealership. And well, what I wasn't thinking, you know, it wasn't a Chrysler dealership, and those were the only ones making minivans. I didn't actually know that at the time. And they, so they didn't have minivans. You know what they had? They had those big, giant conversion vans, kind of like Las Vegas on four wheels. You know, you look inside, it looks like something Cleopatra might have been riding around in, you know, there's velvet everywhere, just t- television. And I mean, just unbelievable. You know, it's like your living room on four wheels, brand new. He said, now, you know, you could get a minivan, but this is, what, this is the van you should be driving. I said, it is. Oh, yeah. I said, well, okay, let's do this then, you know. And so I filled out the credit application. He says, I'll have an answer from the bank tomorrow. 
Man, I was up all night, couldn't sleep. Oh, Lord Jesus, Lord, let, 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 this, let this get approved. This is the van I should be driving, Lord. It's big, it's fancy, it's, just, it's gonna be cool. Let it get approved, let it get approved. And next morning he calls me, guess what? Got approved. Now, that van was fun for 30 days. And then the payment started. You know, I was praying, Lord, if, if, you know, let the bank approve this thing and let them tell me I can afford this loan. So there's a lesson I learned a long time. Never depend on the bank to tell you what you can or cannot afford. You'll end up in trouble every single time. So anyway, we had this van. And now the payment started, and all of a sudden the shine wore off pretty fast. Because as I recall, our payment on that little Mazda was like $170 a month. This was 1985. The payment on the van in 1985 was $427. Young and stupid. That's what I was. Aren't you guys that are a little bit older like me? Aren't you glad you get a little bit smarter as things go on? You get a little bit wiser? Oh, man, this thing was killing us. This thing that I prayed that God was, oh, God, make sure you let me get this van. I got to have this van. Oh, God, why'd you let me get this van? This is terrible. And then one day, Janet and I were working at a Texas State Optical in Central Park Mall on 410 when it was there. Man, I pulled into work that morning, went in, lunchtime rolls around. We went out to go to lunch, and guess what? The van was gone. I said, well, maybe I just parked somewhere. I looked all, no, that van was gone. And I went back in, and I picked up the phone. Well, first I prayed, of course. Once again, I went to the Lord. I said, Lord Jesus, do not let anyone find this van. <laughs> I don't want to find this van, you know, on somewhere in town, stripped down to the wheels, and you know, now I got to deal. Don't let anybody find this van. And guess what? I don't know if the Lord had anything to do with this. Nobody found that van. That thing was probably across the border and stripped down to the frame in a couple hours. You know, yeah, I didn't care. All I know was I got out of that deal. You know, am I saying the Lord sent someone to steal that van? I don't know. But it worked out for me. That's, that's his problem. Now, he's got to deal with that. I don't know. Probably not, but it worked out great. And so, you know, the insurance company paid it off. We came to our senses. We bought another used car that fit our needs a lot better. This is one of those lessons learned the, the hard way. Too often, we ask for things just because everybody else has got them. You want me to move on now? Okay. Fourth, we are, asked, we are apt to ask for wrong things when we fail to heed the advice of wise counsel. Now, ultimately, God, he is our ultimate counselor. But I also believe that God places people in our lives who have some wisdom, who have been through some life experiences, and he has placed them there to speak wisdom into our life. And we are always a lot better off when we listen and we heed the advice of wise people. But we don't always do it. 
How many of us as teenagers, we did something that our parents told us not to do, we did it, and man, did we regret it. Everybody. But even much worse, even much worse, doing things that we know God's Word instructs us not to do, and we still do it. Boy, that's a big mess in our life, isn't it? Always, always. God told the people uh, uh, through Samuel exactly what was going to happen if they insisted on a king. Let me run through it again. God told him, he says, he's going to assign your sons to be uh, commanders of thousands and fifties. They're going to build and work his chariots. They're going to plow his ground, reap his harvest. Make other, others will make weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. They're going to take your daughters. They're going to make them perfumers, cooks, and bakers. He's going to take the best of your fields and vineyards and your olive groves. He's going to take your grain, and he's going to give it to his officials and attendants, your men servants and your maidservants, the best of your cattle and donkeys he's taking. He's going to take a tenth of your flocks, and you will become slaves to him And when that day comes, you will cry out for relief from the king that you have chosen, and the Lord will not answer you in that day. And yet they continued to want their own way. God's word still tells us that what's going to happen when we step out of his will. We're just going to mess our life up. And finally... We are apt to ask for wrong things when we don't realize that putting our will over God's will will always make matters worse. Always. You know, sometimes we can be in the midst of a big old storm of life and and it's easy to start thinking, I've got to do something myself. I've been praying, nothing's happening. I've got to do something myself because things can't get any worse than they are right now. How many of you found out, oh, yes, they can? As soon as we put our will over God's will, I don't care how deep a hole you're in, that hole is about to get a whole bunch deeper. Things will, can and will get worse when we are making the choice to step out of God's will in our life. When we look to our own logic, our own intelligence for answers, instead of seeking God's direction, we always pay a price that we didn't bargain for. Now, I'm a bargain hunter guy. I love to to find the deal. It's just, I don't know. I've been that way my whole life. I love to find the great deal. But I'm telling you, I have also found when I've stepped out of God's will, there's always going to be a price to pay that you weren't bargaining for. Anyone else discovered that in life? I'm not the only one, right? God's plan for Israel was to be ruled by judges. But Samuel's sons were wicked. They they, they were saying things can't get any worse than this. But we know they can. And so the people of Israel, oh, they just insisted on having their own way. We've got to have a king. We've got to have a king. Give us a king. And boy, they had a great reason for wanting one. Samuel said, why do you want a king? They said, well, because everybody else has one. There's not a lot has changed in thousands of years, has it? Why do you want that? Everybody else has one. It's still the same go-to excuse today as it was thousands of years ago. 
we know what God is telling us to do, but things aren't really going the way we would like to see them go, so we take matters into our own hands. They demanded a king to rule them, and what happened? They lost God's favor. They fell headlong into the hands of the Philistines. And that's what happens in our life when we take matters into our own hands, when we decide we're going to start calling the shots. We lose God's favor in our life, and things go from bad to worse. So my point today, I close with this thought. Make sure in your prayer life that you're not asking God for things that He really doesn't want you to have. Because if you badger Him long enough, He might just give it to you. That's always a lesson learned the hard way. You have been listening to CT Church in San Antonio, Texas. This recording was presented in the context of our Sunday service. For more information, please visit us at ctagsa.com, connect with us on Facebook, or call us at 210-657-3578.